Welcome to Pigskins and Pageantry, a podcast dedicated to all things SEC football. My name is Wes, and I'd like to invite you to join me, Jesse, and Matt each week as we discuss last week's games, news from around the league, make predictions for the upcoming games, and much, much more. And what's up, everybody? It's Wes. Saturday had some wild ones, as we will discuss. And I don't mean just Bama and Tennessee. There was others. Uh, but since I just mentioned it, it seemed like a good time to say, Jesse, it's good to see you. I heard you the day after the game and the voice was still recovering. How is it today? It's it's not quite up to snuff today, but that is okay. Um, and I have to admit who I am during an Alabama football game is like actually truly who I am. So I will not apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, but watching that game in the state of Tennessee was not the best decision I ever made. Um, so I do, I do regret that. And um, I'm here and I, I may surprise some people. Okay. I will just leave it at that. We'll get into it. Um, and yes, uh, it has been said that sports do not build character. They reveal it. And that is absolutely true. Um, also, Matt, you look so different every right? week. Today, we are privileged to be joined by one of the biggest Tennessee fans that I know uh, to be our special guest for the show. Uh, Jacob, welcome. How's it going? Thank you. Thank you. I'm just excited to be here and very honored to be one of the biggest Tennessee fans. You know, I am probably the biggest I know. So, <laughs> you know, that's a good thing, I guess. I also have not quite recovered from the game. Um, and if we're talking about it, revealing character while I was, um, hiding in my kitchen and not watching the TV on the last <laughs> defensive drive, I think it revealed some character in me. So we'll just, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. We'll leave it at that, I guess. Well, man, I really appreciate you being on the show. Um, so the Bama Tennessee game won't be mostly recounted from a sad uh, perspective, uh, or at least, uh, <laughs> you know, a, a third. So, um, but I, I have to ask on a scale of one to 10 with one being, uh, you're just, playing off the wind, biding your time, and 10 being you're ready to jump in the Tennessee River, cigar in hand, and float downstream with the goalposts, where are you? <laughs> well, I, I, so for me, I, I had an opportunity to be at the game, which would have been obviously magnificent for me, uh, but I was on my way back from Disney World with my kids, so, you know, I chose the family, uh, which Making is, you memories, know, man. way, way to go me, uh, but at the same time, I, when I watched the scenes afterwards, and, uh, oh, I, I mean, I, I would have been down there, I'd have been on the field, I'd have had a cigar, I'd have been taking apart the goal. I mean, I'd have done all of it. So I, I was a little upset that I wasn't there. Uh, but I also don't know that I could have handled it. Like I said, while I was hiding in my kitchen, I was like, maybe I should, maybe it's a good thing that I'm not there. I don't know. There's be nowhere to hide if I was there. So, right, um, well. no, I am, I'm probably, I'm probably at like a, I, I'm, I'm not going to say 10 because mm -hmm. I'm a Tennessee fan and I'm always scared. Um, I'm going to go with like an eight. Okay. So I'm yeah. really pumped. Uh, this has already been way more than I planned on us doing this season. So I'm, I'm I am really pumped, but uh, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic still. You, you sound like me, never quite ready to be at a 10 where I'm never there. I just, you know, you yeah. know what happens when you get there, right? Yeah. Um, yep. So cool. Well, real quick before we press on, do you have anything to plug uh, like social medias, anything like that? Any place where people should find you? 
Uh, so I am on Twitter. I am Volgoose on Twitter at Volgoose, B-O-L-G-O-O-S-E. Um, is that the first time this has been put out to the public? Is this a, uh, yeah, a reveal? So I, I, I do, um, I do occasionally post my face on there, but I don't, okay. I don't keep it on there just because, uh, people are crazy. And just because you sure. are a fan of a different school, you can get, you know, your bosses, you can tell on you and you know people telling you to your bosses rather and yeah. stuff like that so i don't i don't plaster my face all over that i don't put my name all over it but yes i am i am the volgoose i was about to say you heard it here first but uh, sorry, it's already out there yeah it, yeah 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 <laughs> anyways all right well let's go ahead and get into those games from last weekend always remember if you ain't first you're last all right well let's uh let's talk about the first one and that was uh, auburn uh, at old miss Ole Miss winning this one, 48 to 34. Uh, I got the point in this one. This one uh, turned into a wild one here as both teams scoring points. Uh, Auburn got things rolling on offense. But on the defensive side, they just couldn't stop Jackson Dart and the, and Lane Kiffin's offense. Um, Auburn kept it close in this, uh, what turned into a slugfest, but ultimately just too much offense from Ole Miss. So um, real quick, I'll give my takeaways, and then you guys just jump in. But uh, the, the P.I. call. Oh my gosh! In that the first half was uh, was kind of bogus uh, against uh, against them. I I wasn't really sure about that, but uh, there is hope for the Auburn offense under Robbie Ashford. Um, I say that tongue in cheek. They they put T.J. Finley in for a drive. It seemed like that might have calmed him down a little bit because um, it seemed like when they put him back in after that that he was a little more steady, a little more solid. Uh, he's going to need some help from the defense, though, and they just didn't really get it this game. And then number three, give the ball to Tank. And I know we've said this, I don't know how many times, but it's like the dude is a beast. It, it, I mean, just, just look at that. Tank makes me 20 carries, 179 yards and two touchdowns. Like, why are they not doing this every game? I just, I don't. His name is literally Tank. His name is Tank. It's exactly right. So what do what you guys takeaways? What do you got? Y'all, Harson hot seat. I, Absolutely. That, that's it. Um, and it, I've read places where it says, you know, like obviously Auburn's ready to get rid of him. He's digging in his heels. It seems like the players might be okay with him, which from my perspective, how are you? But he, he's on the hot seat. He's got a nine and 11 record in his first 20 games as the head coach. And it's, it's hard to think of this because the Tigers beat Ole Miss for the sixth consecutive time last year. And we're six and two with an opportunity to win the division and hasn't they haven't beaten a ranked opponent since that October win against uh, Ole Miss at Jordan Hare. And it's like all of the miracles that Auburn used to have, have just run out. And I'm not sure that that Harson lasts much longer there. And then my other two takeaways are all Ole Miss. I think the rushing attack continues to be Ole Miss's bread and butter, which is quite different than what we're used to seeing from a Lane Kiffin offense and one from years past. But uh, they rush for 448 yards against Auburn uh, while having three players rush for over hundred yards apiece. quarterback Jackson dart running uh, you know, Zach Evans and Judkins. Everyone was just on point as far as the running game goes. And so uh, Dayton Wade averaged 15.5 yards on his four carries. This is crazy run heavy offense. Uh, like I said, very different from what we've seen in the past. And then my other one for Ole Miss, is unfortunately, like we talked about last week, Ole Miss is playing to the level of their opponents, uh, specifically in you know the first half. They're not they're not playing lights out, and they're having to play catch up. 
So this is not something that you need to do, especially in the SEC. You can't take your foot off the pedal at any point. Um, and they let Auburn get in this ball game just a little bit too much, I thought. So if they're they're going to try to win in the SEC, they've got to be consistent and they can't play down to their opponents. Yeah. Jacob? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel the same way with Brian Harson. I mean, I, I, I put in my takeaways that he needs to be sued for coaching malpractice. I mean, they, so, I mean, like they have some, some playmakers. I mean, Tank Bigsby, I would, I wish we had Tank Bigsby, you know, and he just, he's like, eh, we'll give it to him every once in a while. Like he just, he, I mean, it's just, it's just shocking. Some of the decisions he makes that just make them lose. Um, it, it's, it is absolutely surprising at times where I'm just like, ah, you know, like we wouldn't see this from a local middle school coach. Like this is just, just shocking how bad he can call a game. And um, I think that as far as Ole Miss is concerned, I, I really loved that early interception by AJ Finley. Um, I felt like, that's one of the better plays from a safety that we've seen in the SEC recently. Um, just like knowing where the ball is and just going out there and snatching it. Uh, I, you know, we, we struggled heavily with our safeties and I was just like admiring that like, Oh, that's nice. Um, but you know, like in general, Auburn is just like a momentum team. Uh, you know, they, yeah. they lost their momentum in that game and they just can't get it back. And, and if they don't have the momentum, they're just not good. And I think that speaks to Brian Harson yet again, he can't get his team up and get them prepared and ready to go ever. And it, and it's, I mean, it's a sad state, but you know, whenever, I don't care what job you're doing, if you are distracted, you will just rely on being able to walk up there and do your job. And I think that's what we're seeing with Brian Harson is like, he has never been not distracted. And so like, we're seeing him walk out there every day and be like, well, I'm good enough to coach this team. I'm just going to go out there and do it. And then he goes out there and screws it up. You know, he's just not, he is not mentally prepared. His team's not mentally prepared. It's, uh, it's pretty sad. And, and, and then, and then with Ole Miss, you know, like they, with them playing to the, the level of their opponent, it, it's honestly a similar thing. I feel like Lane Kiffin stays distracted. Now he's got a way better team. He is a way better coach, but I feel like Lane stays distracted. I mean, he was focused on Tennessee last week whenever they were supposed to be preparing for this game instead of being prepared to play Auburn and just blow right. them out like they should have been able to. Um, so, yeah. Lane Kiffin to me has always been a great coordinator. I, I don't think anyone argues that, right? Like as an offensive coordinator, he's fantastic. But he always, in my opinion, needs a head coach to keep him focused, to keep yeah. him in line. Yep. And he, he, needs he doesn't a, he needs have a that. Yeah, yeah, he's it's immaturity. It's immaturity. Like, you know, he wants attention so badly that he just will do anything to get it. And this past week, all the attention was on that Alabama Tennessee game. And he's like, Well, how can I get some attention? Oh, I'll post the picture of myself right before I left Tennessee. It's like, dude, what are you? Why are you even looking at us? Like, right. dude, mind your own business, study for your own game and be prepared. And he just, I mean, and he won, you know, props to him. He's winning, right. but he is, yeah, he's. He's showing some immaturity this year. You're talking about Brian Harson, and I was listening to some of the announcers because I think nobody ever really um, enjoys watching somebody receive so much hate <laughs> the way Harson has. Uh, but the announcers are talking about how he's 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 very well spoken. It seems like he's you know um, taking the team in a in a in the right direction at least, and it's like they're really just trying to build him up and. And I know he's already kind of behind the eight ball with uh, AD being gone that hired him and stuff like that and. 
I, I get it, but uh, I think he's kind of a dead man walking at this point. So, oh yeah, the writing's on the wall. He knows it. Everybody <clears throat> knows it. It's going to happen. He's just they tried to get time. him out after one year. So, <laughs> it's kind of shocking <laughs> yeah. that he's still there. Yeah. But uh, anyway, we got to move on. Let's talk about uh, Alabama at Tennessee. And uh, Tennessee won this one. Uh, nobody got the points. I, I think. I think that's fair. Although Claude, um, if he if his points counted, would have got the point because he's he the only have. one. Our, our guest last week, the only one to, to pick uh, Tennessee. So, um, nice. uh, Jacob, I'm going to let you go first. To to the victor goes uh, the first word. <laughs> hey, <laughs> what, what there we got? go. So I'm I am going to go a little bit off of Matt's. Like Matt, this is like his one note for this week, and so I'm going to use it. And right. and his his first note for this week was Hooker for Heisman. Um, the OSU fan base can take their QB and go home. And I, I think that the the cool thing for Hendon Hooker is obviously everybody's kind of saying that right now, like, oh, you know, he might be a front runner, and that's awesome. You know, we haven't had one of those since Peyton Manning, and he still didn't win it. So, um, not, you know, you like that's bitter a, about that, right? Yeah, no, no, not bitter at all. <laughs> not not whatsoever. You know, whatever. Uh, <clears throat> you got me distracted. Uh, not bitter, not bitter. No, but Hooker, you know, it's special for him because you know he was kind of abysmal Virginia Tech and left there thinking maybe I can go play at Tennessee and and he's just lighting the world on fire and I, I feel you know he's a good he's just a good guy a good kid he, he got a good head on his shoulders and grounded really well it's good to it's good to see him getting some uh some good press for being a, a Heisman front runner um I will say and and I know I'm going to get disagreed with by Jesse on all of my takes so it's okay it's okay I'm going to go first and then you can just this is a safe me space all you Remember. want um but I'm going to say that uh, <clears throat> Alabama finally got called for the things they do all the time in this game uh they typically do the things they got called for every year and it's rarely seen uh that they actually call it uh as often as they do it in my opinion um uh, but I think the officiating crew did miss, uh, in, well, you know, Birmingham did miss that. It, I would have called that targeting on, on Bryce on that one play by Omari Thomas. Um, other than that, I felt like it was called pretty fairly and that Alabama played loose. I feel like um, they, they even, they even did get in some of the things called that could have been called and, and um, which I'm not, you know, obviously we won. I'm not sour about that, but I, I think they played, like they weren't coached well and we all know they are you know Nick Saban's you know possibly or probably the best coach of all time and you know he he didn't like he didn't seem to coach super well in that game even though I'm sure he did it just didn't seem that way um but I think overall you know me as a fan I am uh, a, a I still do consider myself a younger fan although I'm 30 now uh and you know I didn't I'm a younger fan because I am a first-generation fan. My parents were Tennessee fans, and I was born there, and they were George fans uh, when I was a kid. And uh, I chose Tennessee because of where I was born, and they moved us back here. And I was like, no, nah, I'm still going to cheer for Tennessee, you know, like as a kid. But it was this was after we won our national championship and after really right around the time we fired Philip Fulmer that I really started paying attention to Tennessee football. And so I have not seen – uh, I've not seen a year like this. I mean, I haven't really seen a speed Alabama. I mean, I know we did what, you know, 15 years ago. And I, I remember being aware of that, but I, I never actually watched a game where we beat Alabama. So I think for me, I feel like I deserved it. And the younger fans like me, I feel like we deserve this win. Uh, and we deserve us being good right now. Uh, Josh Heupel um, is just doing some amazing things that I don't think anybody really saw him doing. Uh, I was like, 
really like, I don't know about that hire. You know, I mean, obviously he's got decent offense, but I don't know. And he's not and Greg he's just, Ciano, so. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get started on that. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, like I, I was so like, you know, I don't know about all that, but I mean, he's just come out of nowhere and he, Honestly, like honest to goodness, he coached circles around the Alabama defense. It wasn't just that Jalen Hyatt's super fast. I mean, he coached him open. He coached him open on those plays. I mean, he is super fast. Don't get me wrong, but they he would not have been open if it wasn't for Josh Heupel's coaching and disguising him and keep being dedicated to the run game, even though running backs are not very good. And that kept Alabama honest. And he he is the reason that Jalen Hyatt had such a great game and, and, and Hooker had such a great game. So that was good. Um, our O-line, which has been terrible for like 15 years, uh, decided to make Will Anderson disappear, which was awesome. Um, and then lastly, and I'll, I'll shut up, Derek Dooley eating spaghetti while the goalposts <laughs> were being taken out of Neyland Stadium is like top tier college football like the picture of him just like hiding and just trying to eat his spaghetti while everybody's like walking across over his head is like ah what a moment just what i a really moment. hope that he didn't get any spaghetti sauce on those orange pants that's <laughs> well you know he was just wearing a black suit because sad man uh, is just getting coffee for nick saban at this point so you know. yeah it's true um cool uh, yeah man good points uh jesse your takeaways I'm not going to lie. Yesterday, y'all, I spent over an hour and I wrote three pages. (laughs) I'm not not lying to you. When I tell you, I went back. This is the condensed version. This is No, honestly, it is. And and I've had some time to to reflect. So that's that's helpful. I'm glad we waited. Um, But I went through every single play by play of every game Alabama has played this season and looked through penalties. That's what I spent my time doing. Don't tell my, my office. Um, that's what I did yesterday. Uh, Cause I also had to correct somebody else on Instagram about penalties. So I have a need to be, they gotta right. be more specific. They, uh... they have to be more specific. Um, so for, for, so I'm going to start off Alabama fans. If you have seen a statistic that no opponent of ours has been called for holding at all this season, that is actually not true. Um, they have in a certain context. It is in a certain context, (laughs) but it's not, it's not even in that context. Oh yeah, that's right. I have the screenshots. Um, (laughs) there has been holding called on, uh, Utah state, ULM, Arkansas, and actually one on Tennessee. Uh, however, the only offensive holding call was, uh, against ULM and they had two. So that statistic is incorrect. Don't fall. Uh, for it, Bama fans, and just make sure you do your own research. Okay, I want y'all to look right. I want y'all to be smart. So, <laughs> just just yeah. looking out for the fan base. I'm looking out. I don't want us to look stupid, y'all. I don't want us to look stupid. So, uh, I will start. Our defense didn't adjust one time, not once. It was it. Pete Golding is a terrible coordinator and a dry, clumpy bowl of grits. I, <laughs> I, I can't do it. Nobody likes those kind of grits. No, yeah. nobody likes those. They're under seasoned. He's cold. the worst. Ugh. They're cold. Ugh. They've been sitting on the counter. Gross. I don't understand what he was doing. I, I genuinely don't understand what he was doing. We never got pressure on Hendon Hooker. Not once. Why? There was a sack, right? There was one sack. There was, there one. was one at least. Yeah. One. yeah. That was it. Oh, 
one doesn't count. I want five. I, want five. I understand. I understand. I want Hendon Hooker to hate his life. I want him to be so well acquainted with the grass that he doesn't want to leave it. I'm mad. Bill O'Brien. Forgotten between the seats, stale chicken nugget of a play caller and human. I, which is a step beyond the stale ham sandwich of last week. I loathe this man. I loathe this man and his play calling. I, yeah, I can't, I can't get over it. Um, I'll go with more complaints uh, before I get to the nice stuff. I'm going to be a little, a little on brand before I get nice. Um, (laughs) It's going to come full circle. Yes. And I'm going to be specific. And when I say this and not generalize UT fans in attendance at Neyland Stadium. Okay. Okay. Be be careful. Let's see my friends were there. On Saturday. They can yell at me. You can give my number. Um, (laughs) I think storming the field is trash. I think taking your goalpost down is trash. Um, I think you, and I, I said it with when Ole Miss did it. I've said it when Auburn did it. I'll say it when any other conference does it. Don't do that. I think you should have more respect for your facilities. You should have more respect um, for, for your stadium. Don't be that surprised your team won. Believe in your team. Own it. Now, you want to storm the streets? Go storm the streets. Don't take your goalpost down. Don't do that. Don't rip up your turf and sell it on eBay. Turf is very expensive. <laughs> um, it was it made for a fantastic photo, though. <laughs> and for the people that probably go to school there, they just saw their tuition go up. Don't do that. Um, also, to the fans that threw water bottles and poured water on a former Bama player that is quite literally wheelchair bound with ALS. That is egregious and unacceptable. Um, he is a former uh, player for Alabama, correct? He was at the game. He was in a teen- Tennessee section, but his son works on the staff and got him tickets. There is no excuse for that. I don't care who it is. I don't care what stadium you are. I don't care what fandom it is. That's not okay. Don't do that. Be better than that. Uh, rep your school better than that. Um, if that were a Bama fan, I would want them drawn and quartered. We don't do that. All right. Um, it's college football y'all. And as much as it affects my emotional stability, we are better than that as human beings. I like to think, um, let's talk about officiating. I know we're all waiting for it. So let's chat about it. I do believe it was a terribly officiated game. I think it's one of the worst I've ever seen. Um, to those that think Bama gets all the calls all the time, let's go back because I did to 2010 uh, to look at all of our penalties and the amount of yards per game in penalties that we get. They're really bad. It's over 60 all the time. Now, I'm not going to blame that on officiating alone. Nealon was loud and rocking and those false starts, that's on us. Delay a game, that's on us. I'm going to take those, all right? And I'm fine with pass interference being called. Let's let's call it y'all, but let's call it both ways. And we know there were some missed pass interference calls. We all know it. Even a face mask. You want to call it pass interference, just call it a face mask. We know it. Um, however, I will also say that while it was a terribly officiated game, that's not all on the officials. Because like I said, defense never adjusted, right? We can't blame that. Um, Bryce Young and Jameer Gibbs, 
I'm proud of you two young men. Thank you. The only reason we were in that game is for the two of you. Thank you. Uh, Will Reichard, my sweet kicker, as triggered as I am and my, my distrust for kickers goes roll deep as a student from 2011 to 16. Um, this loss is not on you. It does not rest on your shoulders. We absolutely needed those kicks, but you should have never been put in a situation where we needed a 50 yard field goal to win this game. Alabama's offense and defense should have done better so that it never comes down to that type of situation. It's terrible. Um, I'm sure he's going to carry this on his shoulders. And if you are a Bama fan of any degree and you say something nasty or threaten this young man, young man's life, shame on you, go get therapy. You need it. Um, because I have known people that kicked for Alabama that have had those threats and it's not funny and it's not okay. Uh, to Tennessee, Hendon Hooker was fast. The offense was fast. It was explosive. Hooker was accurate. Their receivers gassed our secondary, absolutely gassed our secondary. Where were we? We weren't near their receivers. I'll tell you that we were late somewhere else. Um, so at the end of the day, y'all it's okay. We have one loss. Um, the dynasty is, is not over for one loss. Um, we were outcoached, uh, regardless of how angry I am about officiating calls, our defense didn't adjust and we played some, some sloppy football. So let's get better. Let's be intense coming out next week and God help Mississippi state because, uh, they've actually played us after several road losses and it's gone very rough for them. So that's how I feel. Well, there's uh, definitely no, there's definitely no time uh, to uh, brood about the loss for sure. Um, <clears throat> and uh, you know, like you said, if there's a, a silver lining, it, it was to a, an East team. So you still have your West opponents. Beat those those opponents, and you know you're good to go. You're in Atlanta, no matter what. But um, <clears throat> and I didn't get any assault charges in the state of Tennessee. <laughs> nor you know, did I get in any verbal altercations. I think um, Jermaine Burton is going to catch those assault charges that uh, that you didn't catch. He's on Ooh. video punching a girl in the face that charged the field, stormed the field. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, rough. there's there's um okay a little bit of uh, added uh, legal uh, aspect there. That is um, also not okay. <laughs> nice. Was, it was it it was it like an accident where he was like pumped and he was like yeah and she ran I, into his fist it, or I, it does not appear to be uh since they uh he wouldn't have any reason to be pumped and uh it it just doesn't appear to be now you know will it hold yeah. up in court who knows you know but yeah. it does appear to be pretty rough true yeah good point well, um, i didn't get any so good job so good I, job um, while i was There's happy that. i was happy for you that you're in the wonderful city of nashville but um it would have been a, a good game for you to be uh, in, in the uh, in the house for uh, with the with the rest of the family. I think <laughs> I did find the one Bama bar in Nashville. Um, I was pretty pissed that, off that, that like ten Tennessee fans decided to watch the entire game uh, there. <laughs> uh, I, I was I'm, like, "You're I in the state, what, right? Go to any other bar." And then there no. was literally one Auburn fan that was there. The I guess they had Auburn fan there. They were so pumped for Tennessee. And I'm like, 
Yeah. Well, as, as a, um, unbiased or, um, as a fan, who is a, uh, fan of neither team. Huh? Yeah, sure. Yes. Let's go with that. Um, just a, kind of a little bit objective approach, I guess. I, I, I've never seen a Bama team that beat themselves as much as this one. Uh, and I mean, that was evident with the record number of penalties, which um, I don't remember what it ended up being. I lost count at 17 because I think that was, it was the record, 17. wasn't it? It was 17. Okay. Yeah. For 130 yards, in case you're curious. I mean, that's just insane when you sit and think about it a, a, a Saban coach team having that many penalties it just doesn't seem like real life um Bama allowed 52 points most in any game since 1907 which was against Suwanee which was 54 points and I think we yeah, all remember that was, was that, that before the forward pass I mean I, I I'm pretty so. sure it was yeah uh, I've heard Suwanee was really good that year so. and I think we all remember how that game turned out anyway yeah. um uh, Bama secondary kept getting burned, and, and this goes back to what you're saying. But the the most disappointing thing, I think, just sitting there watching, and again, not really caring other other than not wanting a few uh, members of my family who are Bama fans to not be sad. I really didn't care, right? Like just watching the game, I really didn't care. But I was most disappointed in how Alabama's defense just did not adjust, and it was almost. Again, as not a fan of either team, it was kind of comical to watch. It's like they are literally doing the same thing over it, and over again. You are intentional. not. You are not adjusting at all. There is zero pass rush, um, and then it, that's kind of a um, a, a two uh, two points to that because obviously, um, if nobody gets to him, it gives more time for the receivers to get open, so he finds the open receiver. But then also the middle of the field is wide open. If nobody's open, he can just pull the ball down and run. And he obviously he did that many times as well. And so it was just bizarre to watch. I get like that happening first quarter, second quarter coming out of halftime, nothing was changed. No defensive adjustments whatsoever. And I know we, we blow up uh, Bill O'Brien for his offensive play calling, but uh, Pete Golding, I, that was just, I wrote a breakup letter to both of them. I'm well, not let me lying. ask you this. Like is, is Nick Saban not a part of calling the defense at all? Is he, is he just totally hands off? I mean, it's Nick Saban. I, that me. I think that's a great question because he is historically such a, a defensive coach. I mean, that's what he does is what he played. Um, and I asked the same question. I don't know at what point, do you just, just step over? in and say no? <laughs> yeah. Do you just take it exactly. and you just say, go home because you're not doing anything? I mean, I'm not a head football coach, which I know comes to everyone's surprise, but at I guess you don't want to take away someone's job or, or but at the same time, like the fact that he didn't completely take over makes me think he was a part of it all along. You know, like I, which like is maybe crazy. they agreed to that strategy all along yeah. and said, we're going to stick that, with it. Or he was part of calling the plays altogether, mm -hmm. which I mean, I know would be shocking because we don't expect yeah. Nick Saban to be coached around like that. But at the same time, like the fact that we didn't just see like a transition where he just relieved him of his duties mid game makes me think he might've been a part of those play calls. Yeah. It, yeah. Whoever called it. And I'll say it to Nick too. Do better. That sucked. <laughs> Now he's, he's getting old. He's over. He's through. He's done with, we, we've heard it all before. So um, yeah, I don't know, but that, that was extremely frustrating, but I, yeah, obviously I do want to give props to Tennessee. I know it's been a long time coming. There have been people, um, you know, especially as you said, Jacob, young people who don't even remember 
what it's like to beat Bama. I, I get it. The, they should be absolutely very excited. Props to Tennessee for fighting through some issues. They were without Tillman. But as you said, Hyatt uh, stepped up. I think he doubled his touchdown total. Wasn't he at five for the season? Yeah, I, I believe he's at so. 10 now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So he doubled his touchdown count in one game. So, and you know, the fact that we were able to do all that without our best receiver in the game. I mean, you know, normally you would think uh, a, a, you know, number two wide receiver would get those numbers because they were double teaming our number one, but our number one still isn't playing. And in, in some sense, that may have worked to your advantage because the uh, the secondaries out there are like, all right, who do we need to focus on? <laughs> yeah, who's the number one? Wait a minute. <laughs> exactly. We, we couldn't find anybody. You could have <laughs> put anybody out there. We just, we were, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. All right. Well, um, uh, have we gotten all our feelings out? Is there anything we need to cover before we move on? I'll never be out of feelings. I'll never <laughs> be out of feelings, it. but we can move on. <laughs> I hear you. Nothing that's kind. What do, what do you tell the kids? It's like, is it is it helpful? Is it hurtful? hurtful is it unnecessary? Necessary, yeah. <laughs> Nothing that is helpful. Exactly. All right. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Vandy at Georgia. Georgia winning this one 55 to zero. I got the point in this one. Um, just in summary, I think Georgia was just taking care of business here for homecoming. Uh, I do have a couple of takeaways, though. It was good to see uh, Stetson with uh, with consistency, which he has been pretty much mo- uh, most of the year. Uh, he uh, passed for 289 yards and two touchdowns and really just looked solid. Um, I was encouraged to see uh, Carson Beck looking better and better. I, you know, when he first uh, they, they first started putting him in, you know, when games were getting out of hand like this, I was like, man, if he's the number two, I don't know how how excited I am for that. But he's looked better and better. So that tells me he's developing or seems to be at least and he's enough of a threat on the ground too where that's encouraging as well which is what we have with Stetson also um but I would love to see Brock Vandegrift throw the ball it's like they get him in third and then all he does is hand off the ball and I'm like can we just see uh, something of what he can do um and I'm sure he's saying the same thing too I don't know but uh I don't know obviously Georgia doing what they should do against Vandy I don't know what do you guys think I had two quick ones. First one is I'm going to talk about penalties. LOL. Uh, UGA is discipline, man. I, they are one of the least penalized teams in the country, averaging four a game uh, for us. That's not the case. Uh, nationally, it puts them at number five. And in the SEC, it has them at number one. So I think that, you know, if you're Kirby smart, you're really proud of your boys playing really disciplined and clean and tight football. And that's exactly what, what they need to do. Uh, and it's, you know I think, really Number two in the SEC? It's not Alabama because we're last. Vanderbilt is number two in the SEC. Look Interesting. Look yes. at y'all being respectful <laughs> of the rules. This is the respect <laughs> game of the week. That is on brand for Vandy, though. They'd be a rule right? follower if they were. Yeah, the- yeah those nerds <laughs> are by the book. <laughs> yeah, they read the whole rule book, actually, which is great for them. Um, but yeah, and, and Vandy or playing Vandy, playing a, a team that you consider not as competitive, it's easy to, to play sloppy football sometimes. So good on them for not doing that. I think it's a great tune-up game before the latter end of the schedule. So lucky for them to, to ease through, get to play some of the young guys and, and move on. Yeah. yeah. What you got, Jacob? Um, you know, I, they played a good game. I mean, uh, they bounced back on a, a really terrible Vandy team. Uh, they may be disciplined as in not getting penalties, um, but they 
they might be worse than ever. Uh, that doesn't take away from Georgia's win. I mean, shutting out somebody and scoring 55 points is, is good regardless. I, I mean, even if it's a, you know, just even if it's ball state, it doesn't really matter. That's still a good game played by Georgia, but Vandy, Oh God, if we're, if we're going to talk about anything from Vandy and not just talk about Georgia, Vandy, huh, like if I was a Vandy fan, I would so badly, so badly be stumping for not being in the SEC. Like, can I go anywhere? <laughs> I mean, I'll go. I mean, I would want to go anywhere. They could be super competitive in, in as a MAC team. I mean, super competitive. I've, I've heard um, some people compare it to it should be like a, like rec league uh, softball, where yeah. if you're on the, like the bottom two teams, you just automatically get booted to a lower league. Uh, well, we couldn't get low enough, could we, Wes? Um, okay. Uh, so anyway, man, that was a yeah, flash they, from the past. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, yeah. So uh, George played a good game. Vandy's really bad. Uh, I agree with your uh, Vandergraaf comment. I think that in order for them to just not allow him to throw the ball, I, he's got to be showing them something in practice where he's not like he's careless with the football or he's just, you know, I don't think he's talentless. I mean, everybody knows he's not. So he, he's got to be showing him something where it's like they're making him uneasy, where they're just like, okay, you can go in and hand it off, um, which is, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that can't be fixed. But um, I, I think that's a little telling for him, which is shocking because everybody was really excited to see him he was come huge, and play. Hugely touted coming out of high huge, school. Huge, huge. He could have gone anywhere he wanted. Everybody wanted him. I mean, he was he was a huge deal. So uh, I feel bad for him for that. But, that I mean, that's just got to be what it is. For him to be the – Number three, uh, and and then not allowed to throw it. That that's that's fairly telling. But um, yeah, I mean Georgia looked more solid than they have all year. Uh, Vandy looked just as bad as they have all year. Um, you know that it is what it is. I hear you. Um, let's move to Arkansas at BYU. Arkansas winning this one, fifty-two to thirty-five, despite the high altitude. So, <laughs> um, I was the only one to pick Arkansas, so I got the point in that one. Um, this is not a good game if you like defense. <laughs> um, the uh, game was basically a shootout um, with – it really could have gone either way in the first half especially, but then Arkansas just sort of outpaced them, uh, outpaced BYU in the second half. Um, <clears throat> my main takeaway from this one is K.J. Jefferson is a game changer. We said it last week, but it was just, I think, evidenced by this game. When he was out last week, the offense was anemic and unable to really get anything going. Then this week, uh, they just couldn't be stopped. <laughs> and granted, it's against BYU, so you can say what you want about the, the defenses and stuff like that. Um, but uh, he threw for 367 yards and five touchdowns. You know, regardless, you still got to make the throws, right, no matter what defense it's against. So um, really impressed with him. I don't know. What did you all think about this game? I, I agree. Jefferson, for me, was – you know, he came through on a must win. It, it was something where Arkansas, Arkansas had been losing and, and they needed to come out of it. I think that's why Claude and I both picked uh, BYU, but I mean, you, you said his stats like 367 yards, career high five touchdowns. Um, and he was hitting people he needed to hit Raheem Sanders added a career high of 175 yards and a pair of touchdowns on the ground. Um, and this snapped their three game losing streak after, you know, having some pretty abysmal turnout there. Yeah. And again, it's like you said, defense was really non-existent and especially for BYU. I get it. BYU is not in the SEC, but short drives, long drives, quick drives, any of the drives, 
Uh, it seems like the Razorbacks had it all against uh, the BYU defense. And the only reason that Arkansas didn't finish the game with nine straight scoring drives was because of a meaningless goal line stand in the final moments. So they had their way when it came to the pass and run games and KJ Jefferson was brilliant. I think this is exactly what Arkansas needed to get their spirits back up. But as you said, it's against BYU. So we'll see because defense for Arkansas still has to play, even if the offense is lights out and uh, SEC teams will take advantage of that. No doubt. What you got, Jacob? Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I think um, Pittman, as a coach, I, he's not quite on the same level that people had with Coach O, where he was just so likable and easy to root for or whatever, unless you're an Alabama fan. I'm sure Jesse didn't root for him. But, um, you know, I think Pittman is somewhat easy to root for as a coach. I think um, I'll look at him and I'm like, oh, man, I hope he does well, you know, and I don't do that with a lot of SEC coaches. And I, I, I feel bad for him. I feel like he's fallen further than anyone expected him to this season. People expected some big things, you know, them to, to be the ones that challenged Alabama in the West. And, you know, they could do all these big things and he's just fallen so far. And, and I, I think that this game, while they bounce back and they won, I think it's really telling of why they aren't ready and why he isn't ready. Like their, their defense is not ready to play in the SEC. I mean, you know, our defense is not very good, but our offense makes up for it. And KJ Jefferson is a really good quarterback. He, I mean, he's really good. I mean, he really is. But like, if they, if he's out, if he gets injured, anything, like they don't have the offense to make up for their atrocious defense. I mean, if BYU can do that to you, you are in trouble, like in serious trouble. Which is a wild thing to say because uh, it wasn't that – we're not that far removed from talking about, uh, you know, Barry Odom's defense uh, yeah. doing great things on that yep. side of the ball. And it's just a, a, been a strange thing to watch them kind it of really has. struggle that way. Um, all right, let's move on to LSU at Florida. Um, LSU winning this one 45 to 35. Lots of points in this one. Uh, Matt got the point in this one. Um so last week's guest, Claude, dubbed this game the Fraud Bowl. I love it. Um, LSU wins the Fraud Bowl uh, in the Swamp to make its fourth straight win in the series. Um, so I just had a couple of takeaways from this one. Uh, Jaden Daniels accounted for six touchdowns, both passing and rushing in this one. So incredible performance from him here. Um, seemed like he was just uh, playing instead of – you remember last week I was talking about how the announcers were – even the announcers were noticing that he was having a uh, uh, analysis paralysis. He, mm -hmm. he was just trying to guide the ball in there. He wasn't just throwing the ball. And it seemed like he was just out there just playing this game and just uh, doing what he should be. Um, a great game by Richardson, too, as we uh, continue to just try to figure out what is going on here. I mean, he threw for 100, 185 yards in a touchdown, rushed for over 100 yards in a touchdown. We just can't really figure out what, who he is right now, just with all, all this, he's hot and cold. What, uh, what do you guys think about this game and, and the state of these programs? Richardson for me, we've, we've been saying it and, you know, fraud bowl. We, we, we thought on the first game of the season, we're like, man. And everyone's like Richardson for Heisman. Uh, he's pump inconsistent. <laughs> yeah. Pump the brakes. It, it's inconsistent. I mean, sure. He threw for a 51 yard touchdown pass to shorter on the second play of the game. And that put him up seven. Oh, and then, you know, the, the crowd started singing, I won't back down by Tom Petty <laughs> at, at the end of the third quarter. And he's scrambling for an 81 yard TD run. And 
you know, that cuts LSU's lead to 42 to 28 on the first play of the fourth quarter, but some really awful tackling on that run, by the way, (laughs) I know, I know, but there was this stretch in the second, third quarter, which we've seen. This is the consistent part, right? Where in the third quarter, Florida can't do anything in a third quarter. I don't know what's happening at halftime, but in the second and third quarter, he was misfiring on passes. He threw an incompletion in the red zone on a fourth and four play, turning the ball over on downs. And he even said afterwards, I had a few balls behind receivers. I have to make it easier for them to make plays. I can definitely improve on that, but I think we need to improve just overall. Um, He still has some years of development, which, you know, he's going to, he's a young guy, but uh, he definitely has to improve quickly because this Florida offense and this Florida team in general has got to find some identity on, you know, the opposite side on LSU, Jaden Daniels demolished that, that UF defense. I thought he, you know, Florida had no answers to stop LSU uh, from the quarterback position. He passed for 349 yards, three TDs. He rushed for 44 yards and three more touchdowns. He kept the Gators on their heels the entire game. And uh, there was a lot of breakdowns in their secondary for Florida in zone coverage, which led to easy completions for Daniels. So good on him. Again, I know it's the fraud bowl, but if I'm an LSU fan, I'm finding this, uh, this Daniels kid pretty encouraging. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with all that. I think um, LSU finally got got clicking. Um, now, you know, Florida's obviously not very good, but the fact that LSU was just able to finally find some rhythm and and all that, I mean, it it was encouraging for them, I'm sure. Um, man, Richardson, I think I, I get that he's inconsistent, but I think at the same time, he is the kind of guy that really is a world beater. Like, I really do think that he is. I think that he is surrounded by a bunch of players that just aren't, you know, like he's the one guy on the team that could go out there and make everything happen. And he's looking around at like who else could help me out. And there's just nobody else out there, you know? And, and so the reason I think that we see him being inconsistent is because when he plays a team that just absolutely locks in on him, he's just, he's kind of screwed because teams seem to figure out that he's their one playmaker. And it's like, oh, if we, you know, spy him really well and we contain him really well and, you know, we can play man and, and, and get after him, they do pretty good. And, and so, I, you know, I, I almost hate it for Richardson because I think he absolutely is that level of talent. He's just – he's playing for a team that isn't very good. And, and LSU isn't very good either. But then again, they have Jaden Daniels, who is a good quarterback. I mean, he's uh, – he didn't – perform really well against Tennessee. Obviously that was awesome for us, but like he, he is a pretty decent quarterback and, and Brian Kelly, when he's really clicking on all cylinders is a really good coach, but I think he's a, he's a momentum guy similar to um, Auburn's entire team, but they just can't seem to keep any kind of momentum and LSU had it that, that whole second half. So. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. What you said about Richardson, I think the good thing about him from what I've seen in interviews, I don't know him personally, so can only go off what I hear, but I appreciate that. He seems to have a really good heart. He really wants to do better in every interview. He's like, I could have done this better. I need to do this better. He never really says like we, it's always like, I need to to take this on. I need to, to improve. And so I appreciate that. I think that's a coachable person and someone that can develop and with the right coach. And I, you know, I don't know much about Napier, but hopefully he's the guy to develop him. Cause I do think he's, 
he's a good player that is moldable and can actually go a long way. Yeah, I agree. I've seen, I've noticed that in interviews as well. Um, just seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders and, and uh, yeah. So um, we'll uh, continue to follow uh, the trajectories of both of those teams. Uh, let's move on to Mississippi state at Kentucky uh, Kentucky winning this one 27 to 17. Uh, I was the only one to pick Kentucky. Y'all, I, I told you <laughs> it Mississippi state was due, right? They, they were on a roll. They were due for one of those weird ones that they just should not, uh, lose. But, um, this one was honestly kind of boring from a scoring standpoint for a lot of the game, especially when you consider Mississippi state, you know, being one of those teams that's usually just lighting it up with the air raid offense and whatever, uh, they almost seized momentum of this game with a pick six by Emmanuel Forbes uh, to uh, cut Kentucky's lead to three. Uh, but then Kentucky responded like they should uh, with a five play 75 yard drive to score a touchdown and close things out. So uh, kudos to them for uh, not getting flustered at that, closing the game out. Uh, but yeah, I, I said Mississippi state was due for one of those letdown games and they, they had it uh, Kentucky, was just one of those many one of the many teams that we noticed this week or this past weekend where the teams benefited from having their starting quarterback back. <laughs> there was a bunch of them like that, um, and then uh, you know obviously Chris Rodriguez Jr. having a day with 196 yards and two touchdowns on 20 carries, so uh, on 30 carries rather. So um, kudos to him, kudos to uh, to Kentucky for doing what they needed to do. What do you guys got? My only thing is you know, congrats for shutting down Will Rogers, because that was my biggest thing last week is that's what you have to do. He was lights out and every game putting up crazy stats. And I know that that's what the offense, uh, the style of offense positions him to do, but uh, he went into Saturday's game, averaging more than 350 yards and three touchdowns through the air. And the defense held him to, you know, a season low of 203 yards and one score, uh, and so I think that's huge. That's what you had to do. And, uh, coach Stoops, you know, they asked him on Thursday, how are you going to shut down Rogers? And he said, that was the million dollar question. People have tried everything. And I think he was really, really proud and his defensive coordinators, you know, plan and the guy's ability to execute that plan and shut him down. Because if you don't, you lose that game. And, you know, as much as will Levis being back helps their offense, we've mentioned in the past couple of games you got to have the defense to back it up. So for me, that was the biggest takeaway is they were actually able to find a plan and execute it against Will Rogers and, uh, you know, Kentucky needed this game, man. For sure. What you got, Jacob? Uh, yeah. So for me, um, I wrote this down as the battle of the mids. Um, I think that neither one of them is very good. Neither one of them is very bad. They're just, you know, Oh, they're okay. Um, I think Kentucky thought they were going to be fantastic and uh, they are just absolutely not. Uh, I, I will say, you know, anytime you get Will Levis back, like that's a big thing. He is their guy. Um, he, and he's pretty decent. I think his toughness is what makes him so good. I don't, I don't know that he's like, you know, some going to be a star one day or whatever, but he's tough and he, he does his absolute best to will his team to victory. Um, you know, I, I think that this game is really interesting because, you know, when typically when we play Kentucky, we view them as not a very good defense. They typically never play very good defense. And, um, I thought they did really well against Mississippi state. And I think that it's just really odd 
for a team with an offensive head coach as, as good as Leach has been at other places where he can't seem to consistently find his rhythm um, at Mississippi state. I mean, he, he shows flashes and we're all like, Oh, wow. You know, look at Will Rogers, look at, look at the, this play, look at, you know, his scheming, that sort of thing. But it, it's just not, it's not consistent. Um, and maybe that speaks to how erratic uh, he is in the rest of his life. I don't know, <laughs> but in, in, in the past and other places, we've seen him be really consistently good on offense and we just are kind of seeing him, up and down and and you know maybe in this game Kentucky really was playing great defense and maybe uh, they were just coaching circles around him but I don't know it's just really odd and I I think that it, it it's always good for a Tennessee fan because Kentucky is like I don't know uh, maybe third place on our rival list for a Tennessee fan uh, but they're like the ones who seem to talk the most trash especially online they're like always in our faces and it's just the weirdest thing um, hmm. And so it's always good for Tennessee fan to, to be able to say that's the battle of the mids. They're just not very good. I mean, congrats. You beat Mississippi state, but you know, you're not going to be Georgia. You're not going to beat Tennessee. You're like, you know, it's just not going to happen. So. Yeah. I, well, uh, I didn't realize. I, I don't know. I guess geographically, I guess it makes sense, but I would. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think, you know, back in the day, like way back in the day, I think it was a lot bigger thing. And I think that right. Kentucky fans still see it as a big thing, kind of like Tennessee with Alabama. I'm giving myself a little bit of a, uh, you know, uh, humility there. Um, but you know, uh, Kentucky fans still see it as a thing where it's like, Oh yeah, we're, you know, we're your biggest rival. And we're like, no, you're, you're really not. You, you kind of <laughs> suck. Um, and, and you know, they, but back in the day, I think they were, you know, they had the, the beer barrel. Yeah. Uh, it was the fight for the beer barrel back in the day. And it was, I think it was a pretty big deal, but it hasn't been for a very long time. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it for last week's games. Current pickup standings. Uh, I've got 30. Matt has 22. Jesse has 12. A lot of football left. Whatever. To be played. I'm just saying anything can happen. Hey, all it takes is a couple of weeks where you just dominate and you're right back there. So um, get all the playoff games dead on. Yeah, I was gonna say scores right. The, the stakes are even even higher than or the, the points are worth more. So um, all right. Well, uh, let's get into a real quick. I think it'll be real quick. Opinion segment. Sir, if I may venture an opinion. I'm not really interested in your opinion, 3 PO. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, well, I saw this question posed online, and I thought it was a great one for here, especially since we have people of both fandoms. But will we see a rematch of Alabama versus Tennessee in the SEC championship? Only one of them? or none of them, two different teams entirely. I don't know. What do you guys think? Just jump in whenever you feel like it. Not on everybody at once. Um, well, I think for me um, right now, and, uh, you know, if anybody that knows me knows that I, I like am not a trash talker. I don't like it. I don't like it pregame. Afterwards, cool. You know, I can tease you. You can tease me. But before the game, like, everybody should be quiet because nobody knows how it's going to go. And then afterwards, we can get, you know, rib each other. Um, but. Uh, if we're halfway through the season and we're supposed to call who's going to go to the SEC championship, I honest to goodness would pick us right now, right now I would pick us. Um, I, I, I would either pick Alabama or Ole Miss, which is pretty obvious, but I, man, I gotta be honest. If we're going to be there, I've got to root for a rematch against Lane Kiffin, not Alabama. Um, which I guess you can put down as my pick. I, I would just love to see it. 
Um, I, I don't, I, I don't like Lane Kiffin. Everybody knows Tennessee fans don't like Lane Kiffin. You know, he can go jump in the Tennessee river for all I care, but it would be maybe the most entertaining SEC championship we've had in 20 years. I mean, everybody knows it would be, even if your team's not in it and boohoo cry, whatever, but that would be fully entertaining to it see would be Tennessee entertaining. entertainment factors there. Um, sure in the SC championship game. So I, 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 I will just, you know, I'll call that shot and say, uh, Tennessee Ole Miss. I would want to see a live feed of Twitter, like next to the game. Yes. If that were to happen. Yes. Just like yeah. Oh, man, that's a great, you need to pose late. that to who, who yeah, what, yeah. CBS still, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, they need to add that feature in the corner of our screens. So well, they would have to really try hard. To oh, after out the profanities. moderated, it would 100%. be really tough to moderate. that. <laughs> Big yeah. delay. Yeah, as they say, it definitely couldn't be like an automatic stream or like some kind of feed. No, no. Have to be just some hashtag kind of this and it'll pop up. No, we <laughs> no, can't do that at all. No, um, I recognize that this question by default is 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 an odd one to pose to you guys because you're you're biased, obviously. Regardless, I know you're trying to be objective. Thousand percent, I'm a troll. But that's that's cool too, and that's why we're here. It's like be as objective or as subjective as you want to be. What do you think, Jesse? That's tough, right? Because like in order for Tennessee to be there, you know. Georgia's not there and say what you think you're not you're not hurting my feelings no I know oh I'm not worried about hurting your feelings I don't (laughs) whatever but I I'm struggling to think if if Georgia's not there you know um I think in the west I think Alabama has it knock on wood like crossing all my fingers uh I say that but yeah, I mean, I would love to see Alabama rematch Tennessee. Absolutely. Um, if we can get a new defensive and offensive coordinator by then, I would also be very happy. New head coach so, too. Yeah. I just, I got a lot of requests. Get that guy out of here. <laughs> but like, I would love to see it. I think when you play a team twice in a season and we've seen it with Georgia and Alabama, it's a different game. I'm not saying the outcome's necessarily going to be different, but I think we just see a different dynamic within the game. I would hope on, on both sides, you know, in theory, there are adjustments made, right? (laughs) In theory, people make improvements, but I would think it would be a lower scoring game uh, for both teams. I just don't know. Um, Honestly. And I know this sounds so dumb. I, you know, I was really young in 2000 six when Tennessee beat us and it's hard for me to imagine Tennessee in an SEC championship and I'm not saying that as like me being a bammer I'm just saying in my lifetime that hasn't been what happens so let let's go let's do it so you're calling you're saying the rematch I you know what I'm saying the rematch because I haven't seen Tennessee um I don't think Tennessee struggles against Mizzou or uh, Kent State, like Georgia did. So, sure, I'm calling the rematch. Do I get a point for this if it happens? Um, <laughs> Give her the point. Give her the point. Saying, we, the saying, point. We, we got some time to figure this out. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, I'm just throwing um, request. Yeah, no, I like it. Um, I, I don't know. So, I think the the rematch is certainly certainly uh, a possibility but for ratings I, I think huh yeah i think if i if i had to say which one i thought wouldn't make it as much as i hate to say it jesse i think that tennessee is on a roll 
right now. I could see them coming into Athens and beating Georgia. I don't obviously want it to happen, but I could see it happening. Mm-hmm. Um, especially given the way the, the Georgia Tennessee game went last year. Um, mm-hmm. I think Georgia figured out what they needed to do to stop Tennessee's offense. Eventually <laughs> at the beginning was not so much, uh, but eventually they did. And then um, I don't know if it's going to be the same type of game this year, though, different defense or uh, different personnel, uh, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't know. Um, I could see Tennessee just kind of rolling on through, uh, but I don't know. I feel like uh, Bama's got a lot of questions right now. Um, obviously Ole Miss is uh, undefeated now too. Um, and I could just see something weird happening. You know, uh, I think Lane may have learned a little something from his uh, popcorn comment last year. And I think he's going to come into that game a little bit more humble this year. Chilling so. out on just like going forward on fourth down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think the rematch is a possibility. If, if it was just one of them, I think it would probably be uh, Tennessee as weird as that sounds to say. Um, but I think, I think that's definitely, um, that's what I would expect. Um, again, you're calling Tennessee Ole Miss. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, um, yeah, I mean, if that, if things were to go awry in the West, I'd say, or at least different than we expect in the West, then that's probably what would happen. Um, honestly, at this point, like within a year. I've had awful things happen as a Bama fan that I never thought I would be able to get through. And I have successfully gotten through uh, losing to Jimbo <laughs> the sun Fisher. rises again. It does losing Jimbo Fisher. Awful, terrible, whatever. Um, losing to Georgia, losing a, a natty to Georgia. Whoa. Uh, and now losing to Tennessee. So you can't hurt me anymore. I've already been hurt. Okay. Imagine being a Tennessee fan. Well, no. yeah, I was going to say impervious, yeah. impervious. <laughs> As I said, Jacob, I, you, you've been through a lot. Um, I would say as a Georgia fan, not in recent years, but been through a lot in years past, <laughs> been down that path. I have lost to Vandy, uh, not me personally, but my team has lost to Vandy at homecoming. Uh, I was there and it was not fun. So um, against <laughs> Auburn six years in a row, y'all. Rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, um, that's it's, that's going to be interesting one to watch. Um and who knows, it might be a completely different look in the SEC this year, as weird as that is. Um, all right, well, uh, let's move to the uh, upcoming games and uh, make a few predictions. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! All right, well, um, let's get started with uh, the one that I know everyone is waiting for, and that is the noon kickoff UT Martin Skyhawks at uh four and two at number three tennessee at six and oh um so this is how ut martin has done this year they've won against western illinois lost to missouri state and boise state and then had wins against lindenwood uh, tennessee tech and murray state not making fun because we play small teams too so (laughs) just saying um last i checked tennessee had a 99.4 percent chance of winning this game according to fpi so, uh, Jesse, let's start with you. What is your prediction for this game? Y'all, if, if in some alternate universe, Tennessee does not win this game, I will eat an entire raw potato. Um, I'm picking the Vols. It almost makes me wish for a loss. Right? <laughs> uh, Vols, easy, easy day, 52 to 6. And I think those are like two field goals that happen um, 
they probably happen just during halftime. They just give it to them. They're practicing kicks and they're just like, just put it on the board. Yeah. Um, Matt is going with UT big 55 to 20. Um, guys. Wow. Maybe it's one of those, maybe it's one of those garbage time type things. Yeah. It's like the sixth string defense is playing at that point. And I don't know. We have that totally. (laughs) Um, so guys, Tennessee is all hyped up and they are about to have a let. I, I can't even say it with a straight face. Tennessee wins this one big, uh, 63 to 10. Uh, Jacob, what do you got? That'd be more like what I was going with. I was going with 10 for them and, and I would go more like 56. I, you know, this is not enough of a team to be a trap game. You know, if we were coming off of Alabama going to Kentucky, Ooh, trap game. Right. Um, but coming off of Alabama and going into UT Martin, I mean, they, they're they're like UGA playing like UGA Tifton. Isn't that a thing? I think that's a thing. Uh, you know, I, I mean, like it, it's it's Tennessee, but the itty bitty campus, you know, like it's just right. not it. it No, there's there's zero shot. That's no, 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 no. This Alrighty. game was scheduled simply so that they could invite that school to Knoxville. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're 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 talking about like a high school level kind of team. I mean, it's yeah. yeah no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you know, some of those guys were the best on their high school team, I'm sure. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, what a what a thrill to be playing in a massive stadium. I mean, it's got to be for them. And, you know, especially especially at the beginning of the game when, you know, the the whole crowd is there. Yeah, yeah. that too. But the players don't make all that money. So it's not as exciting for them that all that money's going to be. But they may get like a crushed ice machine in the locker room (laughs) with that money, which can you put a price on that? No, that's right. Um, all right, let's move to number seven, Ole Miss at seven and zero, three and zero in the SEC at LSU at five and two, three and one in the SEC. That is the uh, CBS game at three thirty. Um, so a little quick preview: LSU went on the road last week and beat the odds at Florida, and the betting line has swung from Ole Miss opening at a two point five point favorite, then dropping to a one point five favorite on. Uh, Monday afternoon, and as of right now, or last I looked, LSU is a one point five point favorite. Is Vegas right, Jesse? What do you What do you think? If this was a seven o'clock game, yep, but it's not. Night games in Death Valley, you pick LSU. Three thirty games, meh, uh, maybe. I think I think Lane Kiffin is able to pull this one out, but it is a close one. We talked about it before. Ole Miss has been playing to the level of their opponents. And as Claude said, LSU a little bit fraudulent. So I think this is a really close game because Ole Miss is not going to be hitting the gas in the first uh, half here. And they're going to have to play catch up in the second. I am picking the Rebels 28 to 27. All right. That is the definition of a close game. So, uh, Matt has Ole Miss winning this one 28 to 10. Um, look, I know the bookies, as we mentioned, have shifted to slightly favor LSU. Uh, I just think Ole Miss has got this one. And uh, LSU, they got a lot of issues to work through still. Um, I think Ole Miss needs to go up early in this game, though, because, you know, you know, it gets crazy there after dark. Um, I'm going with Ole Miss 35 to 31. Jacob, what do you got? Um, I, you know, maybe it's because we've already played them. Now it was a noon game, but I don't think that makes a ton of difference. And you had the smoky grace. Whoa, big difference. (laughs) Um, No, I think Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin this year are just too good on the ground. 
Uh, I think that they are going to rush for a whole bunch. I honestly, I got them in a blowout. I would say 42, 21. Okay. All right. Um, next is uh, Vandy at three and four, zero uh, and three in the conference at Mizzou, two and four, zero and three in the conference. That is four o'clock on SEC Network. Um, this is Mizzou's homecoming game. Um, somebody is going to walk out of this game with an SEC win. <laughs> somebody. Um, Vanderbilt hasn't won an SEC game since 2019 when they beat Mizzou. Um, <clears throat> the Tigers have lost uh, each of the last three games by only one possession. So some interesting talking points there. Jesse, what do you think about this game? This is the – everyone had a lot of fun and we tried our best game of the week. <laughs> Um, and we're champions of life <laughs> oh but jones reference yeah. <laughs> yeah uh trying to find some good for these these gentlemen here i'm gonna pick mizzou simply because it's at mizzou and they might be slightly better than vandy question mark uh so i'm gonna pick i love the, the uncertainty <laughs> yeah i'm gonna pick the tigers 24 to 13 i think this is trash all right uh, Matt is picking Mizzou 24 to 21 and I have nothing to base this on, but I have just got a feeling that Vandy is going to ruin Mizzou's homecoming. I'm going with Vandy. They're going to get their first sec win since 2019. Uh, Vandy wins this one, 24, 21. What do you think? I Jacob? Think that's right. <laughs> um, I'm going to go actually with Vandy as well. Um, I think they're going to act like raise the coach on their shoulders and act like it's the biggest deal ever too. <laughs> Um, and I, I, so yeah, I'm going to go with Vandy, like, I don't know, 28, 24. All right. I like it. All right. Uh, next is number 24, Mississippi state at five and two, two and two in the sec at number six, Alabama, six and one, three and one in the sec. Um, that is a a seven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. Uh, some quick topics about this one. Like I said earlier, no time to brood about a loss for Bama key games coming up. They got to, Hunker down, as Larry Munson would say. Uh, <clears throat> Mississippi State has gotten out their loss that they shouldn't have. No hate on Kentucky, but it was weird to watch the air raid offense be rendered kind of boring, um, I felt. Uh, does this mean that Mississippi State comes in more focused than ever? Is is this going to be a thing? Should Bama be worried? Jesse, what do you think? I don't think so. I mean, we got to clean up our act for sure. We've got to make sure that defensively and offensively, we're making adjustments regardless of who we play as the game goes. But we've historically seen it. Uh, for some reason, Mississippi State always plays us after we've lost on the road, and it's been pretty abysmal for them. And it's up Brant Denny, and it's a night game. So I am, without a doubt, picking the Tide, and uh, I'm picking them 38-17. to Good, good. Uh, Matt has uh, Bama winning this one, 48-27. So Vegas has Bama by 21 in this one, or at least they did last I looked. I'm having a hard time with that. I just, I don't, I don't see that big of a win. Um, I don't think we're going to see any kind of like lopsided victory like that, but I don't think we're going to see like an upset either uh, with Mississippi State winning. I think Bama wins this one. Uh, but expect another kind of exciting, a close one. I've got Bama winning this one, 34 to 28. Uh, Jacob, what do you got? Yeah, I, I honestly, I think Bama ba- bounces back really big. Um, I think they take their frustrations out. 
I, I do think they clean up some of the the penalties, some of the – obviously they're going to clean up some false starts because they're at home. Um, but, yeah, no, I think they bounce back big. I, I think um, Mississippi State is way off from being able to compete, and I, I got them 42-14. I am really looking forward to Mike Leach uh, press conferences this week, though. Well, always, always. They're really figuring out how to play into it. I don't know if you've watched the uh, SEC network. They're but... waiting for odd yeah. questions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they're on the field. Um, gosh, who was it? Um, it was uh, uh, ESPN's uh, Marty. He was talking to him about coffee a couple weeks ago, I think. Yep. And uh, Mike Leach just he said, you know, coffee, coffee. No, he he encourages it. Mike Leach, oh, he, he loves yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And, and you know what, what's funny is I bet that he's nothing like that in the locker room. I think he's just puts, yeah. it's like a character that he puts he's on. That kid that got bullied for being weird growing up. So and just then now it. that he's in the spotlight and people think it's funny, he's weird. He thinks that they're like laughing with him and like they're his friends. 100%. Where it really isn't changed much from the playground, but he's just getting TV time for it now. Absolutely. I honestly though, like I had an ag teacher that was just like him in high school and he just had those random advice and random facts and random stuff. He would just say all day long. And so like, I just see that in him. And honestly, he's just, and this is going to sound crazy, but he is where like he is, he gets the amount of attention that Lane Kiffin wishes he got. Absolutely. because everybody actually wants to hear from Mike Leach because they think he's great and hilarious and it's very endearing. And then Lane Kiffin talks and everybody's like, ah, you're entertaining. You know? yep. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a great point. It's like, yeah, no, I never thought about it that way. Lane Kiffin is just not endearing. <laughs> he's just not. He, he's the guy that every girl broke up with in college. Like he is, he and is he's not. Still- dating college girl <laughs> exactly he's still the guy that every girl breaks up with in breaks college. up with in college <laughs> no doubt that'd be the name of the episode <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh man <clears throat> all right well uh, the uh, final game uh coming up is texas a&m at south carolina um and i didn't write down the records but you guys can you know you're smart people. Great. You can look that up. Yeah. Um, 730 on uh, SEC Network. Uh, preview topics. Uh, A&M had a bye week, but they entered this one as only a three-point favorite against South Carolina, which sounds kind of weird to say. Um, South Carolina also had a bye week after their big win against Kentucky, and they are looking to get their first win in this series, which A&M has dominated 8-0, and um, which – I didn't really realize this not being like a, you know, a fan of either team, but it's been a yearly cross division rivalry since 2014. So there you go. Fun facts. Um, Jesse, what is your prediction for A&M at South Carolina? Yeah, this one, uh, I could change the name and the score would be the same. And it, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to pick this one close. I'm going to go with Carolina just because I would prefer that the inhabitants of this state be in a better mood overall. And I hate Jimbo Fisher. So I think it's a close one. I'm going to pick the Gamecocks 21 to 20. All right. Uh, Matt has South Carolina also 17 to 14. Um, This one is a tough one for me. I've just, you know, we've watched both of the, both of these teams go through their Jekyll and Hyde phases all season long 
Um, so it's really impossible to really just pull a number out of the air, but I, I that's exactly what I'm going to do. I am going to go with uh, A&M winning though, uh, but I'm going to go with this one being close. Um, 21 to 17. Jacob. Um, you did know, for me, score? yeah, you did. You did. Okay, cool. Um, for me, I think, um, Shane Beamer is just a more animated Butch Jones. Um, I think that he is an absolute fraud that's making it on his dad's name, which is really more like Derek Dooley. Um, and I think that the national media really loves to repeat the word Beamer ball or words Beamer ball over and over again. It's really annoying. Um, I don't think he's good. I don't think he's a good coach. I don't think they have a good team. I think that they are a very fluky team though. And I think that they have the ability to upset randos, but I absolutely don't think that they upset Texas A&M or if that even is, I don't know who's favored. What did you say? I don't even remember. A&M by three. Yeah, uh, I don't think they upset A&M by three. Um, I think that A&M actually probably wins it more like a uh, 28 to 14. Okay. Um, so what you're saying is um, that this is like a Pavlov's dogs thing. People say Beamer ball, and immediately the response is quality football. <laughs> yeah, and it's just not the case at South Carolina. It, it, it's never going to be. I, and I, I, for me, like – Breyer almost did it. He almost, he almost did. did. He almost <laughs> did. And and if he can't win a national championship at South Carolina, nobody can. And you're not going to tell me that Beamer ball is just going to come in there and change the game for South Carolina because he wears, you know, uh, trendy <laughs> sunglasses. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't get the high backwards I hat. him. I don't get it. I mean, I wear a backwards hat and trendy sunglasses, but I don't <laughs> act like I'm cool. I'm just like them. So I just, that's what I, I do. Like the, um, oh God. Why I've like blocked his name from memory. Oh my God, Michigan. Uh, Harbaugh. He's like Harbaugh, the Harbaugh yeah. of the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's but he's trying. playing at a terrible school. So, like, right. he's yeah. like, oh, I'm awesome. But you're playing with mediocre athletes. You're a mediocre coach. Like, you're just like the epitome of just, just total mid. Totally. He's trying mid. so hard. <laughs> yes. He's trying very hard and it's just not going to happen. There's not much to recruit to in Columbia. No. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, all right. Well, that does it for this week's upcoming games. Um, so real quick before we get out of here, though, what is the game to watch this week coming up? What do y'all think? The one I'm going to make sure I watch is LSU Ole Miss. I don't think it's super close, as I already predicted. Um, but it's the one I guess I'm most excited for anyway. I don't know. Yeah, I would say so. I think that one's the one I, other than Alabama, that's the one that uh, I'm most excited to watch just because I think it'll be interesting. I think to see how LSU is at home with their quarterback, if they can do some damage and to see if Ole Miss is really going to come out and play four quarters of good football because they've got to start doing that. Yeah. I, I think I'm most excited to watch Mississippi State at Alabama. Both of these teams are coming off of a loss. Um, and it's, you know, we've said that, you know, well, you know, Bama's going to come in angry. And, yeah, we also forget that Mississippi State also is coming off a loss. And Mike Leach, uh, while he is hilarious, uh, he cannot skate along with his hilarity. There are still pressures of being a head coach. And so uh, they're going to be ready to play also. So I'm interested to, to watch that one. Um all right. Well, that does it for uh, the upcoming games just for fun. 
So uh, obviously we saw lots of things happen at Neyland Stadium after the win. Um, you know, cool things, exciting things, crazy things, bizarre things. But my question to you guys is what is the most bizarre thing that you've ever seen someone do after their team won a game? And there's a part two to this, but let's stick here for right now. And when somebody's team First has won. First thing that comes to mind, I don't know if it's quite what you have in mind, but uh, I thought the weirdest thing I've ever seen is when UCF won their whole season, declared themselves national champions, had a trophy made, and did a tour around the country. What a and joke. quite literally brought it to Tuscaloosa the year we won. That's Which, the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Ironically, is their currently is their current head coach's fault? Yeah. <laughs> Gus, Gus yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yep. Anyway. Yes. <clears throat> okay, I, I like that one. Um, Jacob, do you have anything? Any weird things? I don't, I don't things? I mean, there was a whole bunch of weird stuff that happened this weekend. You know, Tennessee fans went, uh, you know, as over the top as they should have gone. I'm not with Jesse. I love the fact that we stormed the field. I wish we'd do it every week. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, I love ripping up the goalposts. Uh, set up now a GoFundMe for every the, week. <laughs> the very large woman who ripped up the field, not even sure she was a Tennessee fan, um, but the pictures of her, like, stuffing that giant purse with all that turf, I ugh, I don't know. I don't know who she was, Buy where she's any from. off eBay. Yeah. No, God, no, I'm not buying that crap because I could go, I could go pull some out of my yard right outside and sell it on eBay. Like I'm not going to buy it. If I'd have been there, I would have walked away with something, probably not turf. Cause I think that's a little much, but I walked away with something. There were people that literally like cut sections of bleacher. I don't know what they brought into the stadium that allowed them to do that, but somebody walked away with the, there's a whole um, bar stool montage of things that people walked out of that game with. And there's all kinds, I mean, just the most ridiculous things you should, you should try and find it. It's fantastic. If people have tools that I'm telling you the the security, we're filming it. I mean, have you seen any of the videos? They all had their phones out like, ha, look at them. (laughs) This is crazy. Um, They were just into it, you know, and and that's fine. You know, if they were willing to, there's over a hundred thousand people doing stuff it's really hard to stop are you kidding me if i was security in there and a hundred thousand people just ran down on the field and they were going to take down the goalpost what am i going to do tase one of the hundred (laughs) thousand like as soon as the game was over i would have left i'm security i leave yeah oh yeah like the refs did you watch the refs run off the field oh (laughs) yeah they were oh they were gone i'm out (laughs) they were gone yeah and henry toa toa because he knew what was you know it was best for him yeah uh and uh, no i mean there was all kinds of crazy stuff that happened i don't i I guess i don't really have anything in particular but they were you could you could google some stuff after this weekend yeah so um uh goalpost in the tennessee river was definitely one of the most bizarre things i've seen i mean they were coming down planning out the route on Twitter all week. If we okay. win, this is the route out of the stadium and down the street. We're going to take, did seem should we take this way. Should we take that way? Should we just chuck them over the top? And one group tried. I don't know if you saw that. I've seen all the videos. They took it up they, top they, and tried one, to throw they it. They tried to take it up top. And as they got like almost to the upper deck, one of them got tased and they all stopped and left it. Uh, I missed that one. Um, <laughs> but uh, the one that got out and made it all the way to the Tennessee river, they actually marched all the way down the strip got all the way down to the area where the bridge connects and threw it in the river. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, they mapped it out for a week, how they were going to do it. But it has been since recovered, right? They got it out, right? Oh, I have no idea if they got it out of the river, but they I thought uh, they already them, have the new goalposts up. 
I thought one of them they um they chopped it up and sold it for like charity or something like that. I think that was the one that was left in the stadium. So okay. whenever they were trying to take that one up and they dropped it because somebody got taste, I mean like it stayed. <laughs> they all just like ran. They were like, oh no, I don't want to get taste, and they ran. Yeah, no, it's a that's definitely one of them. But um, I think the, you said the one that takes the cake for me because it just made me just laugh hysterically when I saw is that lady stuffing sod in her purse i was like what is this <laughs> yeah she was she was very like um adamant. she wasn't wearing orange it was an orange out and she wasn't wearing orange therefore yeah. i don't know whose fan she was it's like people <laughs> also moved away from her like in the picture i yeah. thought no one's standing <laughs> yes. like her everybody's like no. who is this lady weird vibes yes yeah. she is strange she if Tennessee fans think you're strange, you're strange. The, you just the, the SDS article was like, which, which one of y'all stole the checkerboard <laughs> or a part of it at least. Yeah. Yeah. And then there she is. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all right. So what's the most bizarre thing you've ever seen somebody do after their team lost the game? Um, this one, this one could get bad. <laughs> this one could get bad. Um, I'm going to say, and I, I don't remember now if it was actually from a loss, but it is one of the strangest things in retaliation I've ever seen. Um, I'm going to say poisoning a tree. Ooh, <laughs> honestly, stole mine. I was definitely going to say that. Uh, Harvey Updike is a trash <laughs> human. We as a Bama fan base did not plan that on Twitter prior to him doing it. He did not go to the University of Alabama, and we do not claim him. As uh, Andy Bernard from The Office would say, that was an overreaction. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, no, that one's good. Do you have another one, Jacob? Do you have a backup? Or... Um, oh gosh, what would be my backup? I mean, you know, I think anybody that is actually willing to break their TV over a loss of a football game is pretty psychotic. I mean, I have been very upset, very upset, but I'm not like $600 upset at any mm -hmm. point, you know, $700 upset. I, I just, you're just not going to have me throw my TV in the yard. Maybe take my Jersey off and throw it. Maybe throw my hat, something like that. Scream at the top of my lungs, but busting my TV up. Yeah, no, no way. Absolutely well, you know, not. Back in the day with the old, uh, you know, tube uh, screen TVs, you could throw your hat at the TV and it was okay. Cause it's totally fine. Was you could throw just about anything other than a hammer at that TV <laughs> and it would be okay. <laughs> Not not so much nowadays, but uh, yeah, I, that was actually what I had in mind when I when I had said this one was um, I can't even remember which one it was. I can't remember if if the guy threw like a heavy object at his TV or if he physically picked up his TV and threw it. But um, I don't even remember which game it was, but it was on. I don't know, TikTok, Instagram, something like that. One of the one of the overreactions. So that's probably the weirdest setting one setting their I've seen. jerseys on fire. I, I'm just not going to do that. <clears throat> Yeah. It's like, yeah, again, it's just, it's, it's a, it's one game. First of all, it is a game. <laughs> Second yeah. of all, it is one game. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just, jerseys are like over a hundred dollars. Very expensive. Very expensive. And, and, and the people that do that, honestly, like they have to be people that haven't been fans for long, because if it, in order for you to do that, you haven't been through very many heartbreaking losses. Because I've been through so many at this point, like like we said earlier, like you can't hurt me. Like it's literally impossible to hurt me because I've been hurt so many times. Like you couldn't convince me to break anything in my house over a Tennessee loss because I've just done so many of them. <laughs> you, I'm not you, breaking anything. You no. Alabama no longer pays my salary. Yeah. Well, and it's okay. You can ask uh, Jesse and Matt last year when uh, when Georgia played Alabama for the championship. 
Um, I didn't even pick Georgia. Um, and that wasn't me, you know, like, you know, being sour or not believing in my team. Uh, that was just be, me being realistic. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I've seen this movie before people. It's like, you can't trick me again. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. All right. Well, um, that actually does it for this week's episode. Uh, Jacob, thanks again, man, for coming on. Absolutely. Enjoy it. Fun. Appreciate your perspective as a Tennessee fan. And look at this. We all got along. It was wonderful. Wow. So uh, <laughs> if you guys would like to contact us, please do so. Email us at uh, pigskinsandpageantry at gmail.com. We are at Pigskins and Pageantry on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. On Twitter, we are at PPSCC Podcast. Uh, we're available for download on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, most pod- podcasting apps for iPhone, Android, and other operating systems. We're on uh, Amazon uh, Music now and iHeartRadio and just all the things. So catch us wherever you can. We appreciate that. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please uh, take a moment, subscribe, and review. We'd love five stars. It uh, just boosts everything and uh, makes our show more visible and uh, helps us continue to make these. I appreciate that. Guys, some uh, exciting games coming up. There's, We're at that point where it's like the season within the season. So much going on right now. Um, so looking forward to the games of the weekend. Until next time, this is Wes. Go dogs. Bama fans, hold your heads up high. And remember, when they beat us, they tear their stadiums apart for us. It's just a Saturday. Roll Tide. Fans, it feels like 98. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs>